Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Have you built up a wall of faithless tradition? Have you put God in a box and you think that's how God's going to work now? Have you limited God to what you think he can, cannot do? If you have a preconceived idea of God, just tear it down this morning. God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can even ask or think. Our Heavenly Father is mighty and powerful. He's omnipresent. He's righteous and true. But He's also compassionate, loving, and gentle. It's His heart that we would all come to Him for healing, first and foremost, for a spiritual healing. He wants us to have faith and believe in His wonderful promises. Well, in today's message, we'll see real faith being lived out. We'll learn of the story of a Gentile woman and how her simple faith set her daughter free. She cried out to Jesus, believing that he was the deliverer, the healer, the great physician. Christian, do we have that much faith today? If not, then why? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verse 30, with our continuing study entitled, Let the Walls Fall Down. You see, there isn't anything good that you could bring to God. Everything that we bring to God is useless. The scripture says it's filthy rags. It means nothing. Don't come to God with your pride as if you're worth something, a big catch. You're not. You were just like this lady. This lady came humbly to God. When you request something from God, ask humbly, God, I know I don't deserve this. I know there's a wall in my life in front of me. I know I don't even deserve your mercy, but, but I come and humbly ask for it because I'm your child. And I know you love to give good gifts to your children. Now, the ironic thing is she not only comes humbly, but she comes kind of aggressively with persistent faith. See, that's kind of almost an oxymoron, isn't it? Humbly and yet aggressively with persistent faith. She had faith which resulted in action. James tells us that faith without works is dead. So she acts upon her faith in spite of the walls. If your faith this morning doesn't lead you to action, you're fooling yourself. Real faith always leads to action. So scripture over and over again exhorts us to be persistent with God. We are exhorted to pray, to keep praying, to knock, to keep knocking, to seek, to keep seeking, to ask, to keep asking. And she does this. She brings nothing, but she's persistent. Now, persistent doesn't mean demanding. You will heal my daughter. You don't see that. She just humbly continues to ask God for his grace and for his mercy. If you're around people that demand things of God, just move to the right a few spaces and just let them demand. Because see, God is not some puppet up there that goes, oh, you demand, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. Yes, you, you're in control. 
God's in control. He's not the big boy upstairs. He's God. Don't lose your respect for Almighty God. By the way, his last name isn't Damn either. Our world doesn't understand at all who God is. But this lady did. She understood, so she came humbly, but persistently. Now, how does this respond? Look at verse 30. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. What did the lady do? When she came to Jesus, she said, I need, I need you to touch my daughter. And she knocked all these walls down and Jesus said to her, go ahead, go home. Your daughter's healed. And what did she do? She went home. How would you have done it? I probably would have done it like this. Uh, Jesus, would you mind coming with me? You know, I'd like you, I'd like you to touch her. I'd like you to be there. Cause, I mean, you know, I'll never find you again. And, uh, she took Jesus literally right at his word. That impresses me. Actually, it challenges me. She didn't go, but, well, that can't be. She just went home. You know, she didn't get, say, Jesus, I've got my computer here. And Jesus said, well, let me see. Let's get street map out. What street she on? What house? What house number? Thank you. What room is she in? Okay, now I know how to go to her. Distance was no problem for God. What does that say to you and I about intercessory prayer? A friend you have this morning, a neighbor, somebody that used to live in your street that's moved, a relative that's miles away. Well, there's just too many walls. God couldn't minister to them far away. Really? No, distance is not a problem with God. Here he is in this home. He has no idea where her daughter is. And yet when she goes home, the daughter is healed. See, we're not talking about mankind stuff here. Flesh, we're talking about spiritual truths. So if you have a need of person far away or whatever, just keep interceding. Now don't bombard them. Just intercede in your prayers. Sometimes we bombard our relatives and our friends and we turn them off. And then their picture of God is like who we are. And no wonder they don't want to come to God. Look what they got. Somebody that's obnoxious and turning them off. Don't do that. God isn't obnoxious. He gives them a choice. But you can be persistent in your prayer. Don't give up. Maybe some of you have given up this morning. People that are far away and you've just kind of written them off. The door's there. and It's not going to happen. And the walls are just too high. No. Pray for them this morning. Have humble but persistent faith. Now, as you see what happened here... I believe it brings us down to a picture of our church this morning. My life, this church, we could have some walls this morning that go up. Hopefully in our lives this morning, there's no walls here in our fellowship of gender. Hopefully you don't look at a person sitting next to you by the color of their skin or by their education or by by the way they look and say, well, I'm better than they are. Because see, when we come to Jesus Christ, we're all equal at the cross. Rich? Poor, educated, not so good looking. Even the uglies like us are there. We're all equal. Male, female, all gone. Jew, Gentile, all gone. All one under Jesus Christ. Should be no prejudice in our churches. Even to a bill that walks in that may be different. Now there's another wall I believe we put up and it's the wall of spiritual pride. Saying to the world, your life is too messed up. Stay outside these walls. In here are for people that have it together. If we all had it together, there'd be about maybe one of us left in here. It'd be Jesus. The rest of us would be where? Outside the walls. No, this place is for people who don't have it together. That's why we're here, to get it together. 
That's why we're feeding you from the table of God this morning. One commentator says this, God meant for the church to get mixed up in messes and with people who have messed up their lives. Amen. That's why we're here. So don't put some wall up like, well, when you get your life right, we'll invite you to the church service. I don't think so. The people that we should be inviting are the people that we meet who have messed up lives. You know, it isn't our pots and pans that have to be clean. It isn't our hands that we were talking about last week that should be clean. Jesus said, you'll know that you're my disciples by loving one another. And that means people that I don't really care to like, but they're messed up and they need Jesus Christ. So the walls must come down. Don't judge people by what you see on the outside. God looks on the heart. So this woman went through all of these and got her needs met. Next is the wall of preconceived ideas, or I call it the shrink wrapping of God. Verse 31, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went on to Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, into the region of the Decapolis. This was an area of ten pagan cities that were on the other side. They were basically Gentile people. And uh, Jesus went over to this area on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. So Jesus just moves to another Gentile area, and a man comes who can't really hear, and he can't speak correctly. And the people know that Jesus has the power to heal him. And so they're asking for a touch of Jesus' hands. It's interesting to me, if computers had been discovered in Jesus' day, how people would be giving odds. Well, I wonder how God's going to do it. He's going to say it with a word. He's going to touch here. He's going to do that. He's going to do it from a distance or whatever. God wasn't like that. Look at verse 33. How does he do it? How does Jesus heal this man? After he took him aside, away from the crowd... Now, why did Jesus take him aside? Well, it's going to be a private healing. It's not going to be a three-ring circus. We have to be careful when we have healing times. That's why we pray for people at the back to be healed. Is God still healed today? Absolutely. But we have to be careful that our healing times aren't done as a show. So that when you see some of the things on TV, when the thing's over and the people are healed because God's gracious, you wonder who got the glory. Was it the stage people, or was it God? So Jesus says, this is no show. Let's come to the side here. Hmm. Good thing to learn about us. So Jesus does it privately. Now what does he do? There's no self-promotion at all. Just going to be God and this man. Now what does God do? It's a little interesting you see what he does. It kind of bothers me when I see it. Look at verse 33. Took him aside, away from the crowd. Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears. Yuck. Then he spit, yuck, and touched the man's tongue, yuck, yuck. Strange, isn't it? How many would prefer just to say, be healed? Why does he do it? Many people believe he does it because this man can hear. So what Jesus is saying is this, I'm going to open your ears. I'm going to release your tongue. You see, Jesus went outside, man's preconceived idea how he was going to heal. He just totally did it different. Why did he do it different? Because of this. Jesus wanted the man to realize it wasn't a method. It was the touch of God. The method doesn't matter, see. Now what happens in our lives is this. We love formulas. We love to take God and say, well, here's God. Here's this wall in my life. And here's the situation. Now, here, God, is how you're going to do it. 
okay, God, now I've got you here, and this is how you're going to work. The God of the universe is in my box. He, he shrunk wrap because it's convenient to carry around with me. And this is how he's going to work. You see, we love formulas. We, we love to say to God, this is how you work. How do I know we love formulas? Go to the bookstore. You see all these books, or you watch the television, those info commercials. They'll come on if you're a fisherman or whatever. Here's this new lure. Guaranteed. They show these big fish. Throw that sucker out there and you just shake it twice like this and over like this and here they come. You're going to buy one. You're going to buy one because you know it's there. How about the diet thing? We have these spiritual things too. We want to take God and put him in a box and we want to say this. How to be a mature Christian in three days. Oh, I'd like to buy that. Here's the way to find God's will for your life. Four points. God goes, I don't think so. You see, God isn't interested in formulas. God's interested in a relationship with you. And it isn't a formula. And so God always, I believe, goes outside of our little man-made boxes and says, wait a minute, who are you talking to here? This is the creator of the universe. You think you can put me into this little box? So he goes outside of it. He will never be limited by my ideas, my preconceived ideas. Verse 34, and he looked up to heaven with a deep sigh and said to him, Ephrathah, which means be opened. And at this, the man's ears were open and his tongue was loose, and he began to speak plainly. And Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. I thought about that verse. You know, we say to Christians, invite people, share with God with your neighborhood, invite them for Easter and all this stuff, and lots of people don't do it. So I'm going to say to you now, don't share, don't talk. Don't ever even open your mouth about Jesus. And there's enough rebels out here, you can do exactly the opposite, and this place will have another service next week. That's exactly what happened. That may not be from the Lord, but it was something I thought about. All right. Hmm. Verse 37, and people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Have you built up a wall of faithless tradition? Have you put God in a box and you think that's how God's going to work now? Have you limited God to what you think he can, cannot do? If you have a preconceived idea of God, just tear it down this morning. God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can even ask. Or think. Don't think that you've got God in a box. You see, when we heal people or when God heals people and we pray for people and they receive the baptism, we want to go home and go, okay, what scripture did I use and how did I touch and did I want to... No, it's not formulas. It's God. So don't put God in a box this morning. Maybe that wall that you're facing this morning, you, you think you know how God's going to solve it. Probably not. He's got a different way. And when you get through, you go, I never even thought of that. And he said, yeah, that's why I'm God and you're not. <laughs> One more. The wall of forgetfulness before I forget it. <laughs> Chapter 8. Now, during those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. Since they've already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. Now, he's still in the Gentile area, pagans. Why would pagan people sit three days 
go through all their food to listen to the teaching of the Word of God. Why would they sit three days? They weren't paid to sit there. Why? Because they're hungry for truth. You see, God put within us a little place that can't be filled with anything else until we're right with God. And we're searching. I want to tell you, my purpose here in this fellowship is to feed you, as well as the other pastors, the Word of God. You see, my function here is not to mow the lawn. I've been there. It's not to vacuum the carpet. I've been there. I'm not too good for that. My function isn't basically to counsel. My function is to study, take my energies, and teach the Word of God to you. And if you want to pray for anything during the week, here's what you pray for. That God will give me the food that you need that is going to feed you. Because what I'm trying to do is all the Calvaries are in any church in this community that's teaching the Word of God. Here's what we're trying to do. Make the sheep that God gives us the best fed and the best loved sheep that can ever be. When you leave, I want you to go, Whew, that was good at the table. Man, that was good. I enjoyed it. I might even got a crumb or two down below, but I enjoyed it. And I also feel loved and accepted. Now that can't all come from me, the love and accepted. That's got to come from you guys with one another. So when people walk in here, they feel this. So here's Jesus with these guys for three days, and he has compassion on them. And he says to them, basically, to the disciples, go and feed these people. Now, does this story sound familiar to you? Didn't we just do this a few weeks ago? How many people did we have then? I gave you the clue if you didn't know. How many? That's not a high sign. We had 5,000 men and women. And how many days were they there? One. Here's a clue. One. So we had 5,000 people. We were in the Jewish area. They were there for one day. See, some people think the writers got confused. No, the writers didn't get confused. It's a totally different miracle. So we have the exact situation, somewhat similar, 5,000 Jewish territory, one day, five fish, two loaves, all that stuff. And what happened as they went through all that? The disciples did what? Jesus said, hey, these guys are hungry. Send them down. Bring me your fish and loaves and I'm going to do what? I'm going to multiply it and feed the people. So the disciples did what? Mm, did it all. Now, Jesus is here. We have 4,000. We have the same situation. They've been here three days. They're Gentiles. They're not Jews. And Jesus says, take care of them. Now, the disciples should have gone to this, this wall here of need and said, no problem. We've been here before. I know what's going to happen. First thing we ought to do is see if what's out there. Because Jesus is going to say, what do you have to feed them? So they, I'm going to do that. Then next year, you know, we, we might even be able to, it says we're going to have enough faith to be able to do the things. We might even pray for that and see it multiply in our hand. Now, if they had great faith, they would have tried it. But let's look and see how the disciples respond, as Jesus says to that. Verse 4, but his disciples said, but. I call this spiritual Alzheimer's. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you automatically have great faith. You see, these disciples had forgotten that just a few days before the wonder of the miracle. They'd forgotten it. They just were walking by flesh and not by faith. Forgetfulness. Let's read on. Where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them. You see, they missed the principle that God had just taught them. And they missed it again. 
How about you and I? Have we forgotten all the neat things that God has done in our lives? Think of a time in your spiritual life when there was a wall. You needed a healing, a job, a, a situation, something in your family, a, a marriage, a church. You were looking for a church, a college. You couldn't get through the test. You couldn't understand. There was a wall and you came to God and you said, Oh God, the wall's too big. I can't get through. God brought you through, didn't he? The walls did what? They came down, didn't they? But see, we forget them. Satan wants us to remember our sins. God wants us to remember our deliverance. The disciples didn't get it. It's interesting to me as I did a computer search, the Bible has this word, remember, 166 times. I wonder why. Because we've forgotten. Verse 5, how many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, and when they had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to sit before the people, and they did so. And they had a few small fish as well. And he gave thanks for them also and told them that the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. By the way, those baskets were different than the other miracle. These were big enough to hold a man. And about 4,000 men were present. And having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanthua. Now, our past miracles, walls that have come down, should be increasing our faith, but they don't. I believe what you see in the disciples is something very easy to happen in your life, in my life. I call it spiritual dullness. We've become bored with our walk with Jesus Christ. We just lost the wonder of serving God. Look back at chapter 7, verse 37. This is what I believe God wants for us. When the people saw that miracle, it says, The people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well. You know, we can get so comfortable and so bored and so dull in our spiritual walk that when we see people come to accept Jesus Christ, we go, oh, that's cool. How many? Three. Mm, that's nine. One. Okay, good. Hey, if one person comes to Jesus Christ, we ought to be excited. Because that's somebody's mom or dad or brother or sister or husband or wife. or if, and if it was yours, you'd be excited. You don't care who else came. We've lost the wonder of serving God. Well, did God meet your needs last week? Yeah, I remember needing provided a car miraculously. Oh, that's cool. Eh? Cool? Yeah, that's good. We've lost the wonder. Let me read to you out of the book of Psalms. Shout with joy to God all the earth. Shout the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. Come and see what God has done. How awesome his works in man's behalf. I believe that every day we should get up and tear down the walls of forgetfulness and say, here's another day to serve God. Don't lose the wonder of the God of the universe living in your heart. We learned today that as believers, we're to do away with all our preconceived ideas. We're to not rely on what we've always done and what we've always thought to be true. Instead, dig into the Word. It's the only truth. Read the Scriptures. Apply them to your life. Believe it. Live it. Trust that what God has spoken will come to pass. 
Don't be confined to the traditional mindset. Allow God to renew your mind. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll learn that the real world isn't physical. Pastor Mark will explain that it's not necessarily what happens to your flesh that matters. It's what happens to your soul that's the issue. You see, when we pass away and our bodies go back to the earth, where will we end up? Well, that is all determined by whether or not we choose to accept Jesus. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.